Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Rock and Talk with Dak. Today I have a special episode in store for you. It's the 25th anniversary of What's the Story Morning Glory, seminal album from Britpop sensation Oasis. We're going to listen to the album in full and talk about it as we go along. Stay tuned. Friends, family, and fellow music fans, welcome, welcome to another episode of the show. As you might have noticed from the time on this episode, it's a bit of a long one. So if you wind up doing it in a few listens, that is fine by me. But it's all for good reason. Today is the 25th anniversary of perhaps one of the most important albums out of Britpop history. Now, originally, I wanted to do this as a live show, but even after a week of testing it with different people, many trial and error runs, it just wasn't going to work out. However, I still wanted to bring the kind of joy and the magic of uh, kind of like a listening party. So that's how I'm treating the episode today. We're listening to the album in its entirety, hence the long runtime. And we're going to talk about each song as we go along, and then we'll kind of wrap up with some final thoughts. Now, I'm not going to go too in-depth on any of these songs, since you know it's already going to be a long episode anyway. So, what do you say? How about we get into this? Um, let's start with a little backstory that kind of led to what would become this mammoth of an album. So the band formed in 1991, though they wouldn't get a record contract until uh, 93. Um, they went through a few different lineups, um, but really kind of had a really strong thing going um, when the two Gallagher brothers kind of got together and they head up the band. So they consist of Noel and Liam, uh, lead guitar and lead vocals, respectively. Now, in 1994, they released their debut album, Definitely Maybe, and it made waves. And it was the fastest selling debut album in the UK at the time and it went straight to number one on the charts. Uh, the sound on that album can be described as raw, especially when you compare it to what you're going to hear today. The choruses were there, sure, but nothing like the ballads on What's the Story, Morning Glory. You know, instrumentation, it was limited really to just what the band members played, and same with the compositions. It was, it was still good. I, I love the album, and it's because of that rawness people really gravitate towards it. Um, you know, you just didn't have these varied arrangements with the strings and whatnot going on. So definitely maybe solidified the band as a mainstay act for sure. And they started to garner some attention, not just from the UK, um, but from the States as well. And where, whereas they were definitely more of an indie act, really, their next album, what we're going to listen to today, it would launch them into rock stardom. And really overnight, they became this overnight phenomenon. Now, I'd get into the drama that was the kind of the, the battle for Britpop's soul. You know, the whole rivalry with Blur and the press's heyday with it. But that is a story for another time. So, with some backstory out of the way, let's get into this album. So, we're going to start right there at the beginning. Uh, we're going to talk about the songs after we played, unless I state otherwise. Um, but I want you to pay close attention to the beginning of this song. And listen for the softer acoustic guitar that's in the background. Keep that in mind. Here's the opening song for the album. It's called Hello.
So that was Hello, the album opener. Uh, Null has stated many times that this is one of, uh, there's a few songs on the album that really has no meaning whatsoever. Uh, it's just kind of there for the sake of being there, really. And I enjoy it. I mean, musically, it's an album opener for sure. I mean, it starts with that driving guitar and, and uh, you know, drum rhythm that just keeps the song going along. Uh, one thing that I really like is the uh, the vocal delay and the echo in the pre-chorus and the chorus sections. Uh, it sounds really fun. On the outro section, uh, Noel actually borrowed some lyrics from Gary Glitter's song, Hello, Hello, I'm Back Again, where you know the lyrics are, Hello, hello, it's good to be back, it's good to be back. Uh, and I kind of like, you know, for as simple of a song as it, as it is, lyrics may not make much sense. You know, I think just the title alone is just, you know, hello, we're we're back and we got something fun in store for you is kind of kind of what they're saying, which is really fun. Now on to the next couple of songs. I'm gonna play them back to back just because I think you know, the ending of roll with it, it the way that it fizzles out and there's a cough at the end, and when you know there's that cough right into Wonderwall, you get that acoustic guitar opening the song up and i just love that transition so well so i'm going to play them back to back just to have the the full effect there so here they are we're going to play roll with it in wonderwall
today is gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you By now you should have somehow realized what you gotta do I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now Backbeat, the word is on the street that the fire in your heart is out I'm sure you've heard it all before but you never really had a doubt I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now
to start with Roll With It uh, first. If I remember right, I think this is one of a couple songs I've regarded as you know, one or two that's like, this is one of the worst songs on the album. Which, I mean, personally, I really like it, and I wouldn't want to skip any song on the album. Everything, it fits nicely where it's at. But again, it's one of those songs that Noel knows. It's just mindless, fun pop songwriting, you know? It's just there to be a jam session. Uh, he's also mentioned in an interview that this was one of the first songs that they actually recorded with their new drummer at the time. And what you hear on the final song, the drums were recorded in one take, which is just absolutely incredible. Uh, I love the guitar melody right before the verses, the dun 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 It's just kind of a, a fun little fun little deal going on right before the singing starts up again. And for me, I like the sentiment of the song, too. It's simple rock and roll tune, sure, but I think it speaks a bit to the idea of whatever life throws at you, you just got to take it, roll with it, and move along. Then we jump into Wonderwall, one of the biggest songs on the album. So remember at the beginning of Hello, I said to listen for that soft acoustic guitar, literally right in the intro? Well, that's the same guitar that kicks off this song. And I like that, you know, Hello opens up with this. It's just kind of a, uh, a fun prelude to what's to come. Uh, there's a fun instrument that shows up on this track. So before the backing band jumps in, you hear what kind of sounds like a, a cello, and really the the notes of that it kind of stays the same. Mm -hmm. It just kind of goes back and forth like that. It's not a cello. It's actually played on a Mellotron. Uh, some of you may know, uh, but it's an old school, it's a tapering keyboard. Really fascinating instrument. Uh, but that's a bit of a Beatles influence. That's where we start to see the, uh, you know, kind of... Beatles were never considered Britpop at the time, but they certainly laid the groundwork for what would become Britpop for sure. And, you know, Oasis was heavily inspired by that. Um, you know, the Beatles used the Mellotron quite often. I uh, think of Strawberry Fields Forever, for example. Now, the name itself, Wonderwall, most likely a reference to, here's the Beatles again, George Harrison's first solo album, Wonderwall Music from 1968. I think one of the first things that really shines on this, uh, uh, this song compared to the first two is Liam's singing. That vocal production, it's really upfront, and the way that Liam sings, it just, I don't know, makes it feel more personal, I guess. And, and I guess especially so, you kind of take into account what the song could possibly mean. Noel's given a couple differing explanations uh, from the idea that it was about his girlfriend at the time to, quote, an imaginary friend who's going to come and save you from yourself. And I really like that second one, and I think there's some lines in the sign to support it. Take the lines, I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now, and there are many things that I would like to say to you, but I don't know how. Combined, I think those two lines make for something that's really uplifting. I kind of view it as a bit of a pep talk from a future self, if you will. And let me, let me explain. Your future self has confidence in you and is the only one that feels so strongly about you in that moment. They say to take heed, even though the road is winding, the lights are blinding, you're going to be just fine. It leads somewhere better. And Liam's vocals, I think, really bring out that kind of sentimentality. There was a possibility, however, when recording that Noel was going to sing it instead. 
But thankfully, Liam persisted that he sing it because Noel wound up singing the next song, Don't Look Back in Anger. You said that you'd never been, but 
this is the first big ballad of the album, and man, does it sound like it. I did a tune talk about the song back in the middle of August, so I'll try to keep it brief here. To me, this is just full-on Beatles-inspired pop writing at its finest, particularly, I think, of John Lennon's Imagine, and how could you not with, you know, the similar-sounding piano in the beginning of both of those songs. And I think just another thing that drives home that sound and makes it so prevalent is the fact that Gallagher Brothers actually wound up with some of Lennon's uh, old unfinished lyrics and some memoirs uh, through an auction. Um, and it's funny, Noel has said, you know, in interviews, he's just like, yeah, I got it at an auction, was looking through, it's just like, oh, oh, that's a nice line, that is mine now, and you know, kind of took it. And I don't think it's really stealing, I just think it's more inspiration than anything else, and it, it, it's fun. Now, you take a deeper look at some of the lyrics, yeah, they kind of make no sense. But I think a general message, at least that I get from it, is similar to you know, many other Oasis tunes. The idea that, you know, things in the past that you may not have done, things in life you regret, or happenstances where you were wronged, you know, to not let those things drag you down. Don't look back in anger and move on. Learn from those past mistakes or past problems and be a better person tomorrow. But that anthemic music, though, my goodness, we get some bigger arrangements on this song. We have the strings in there. And maybe it's just me, but there's quite a few songs that just kind of get into your head and, I don't know, latch onto your soul, I guess. I don't know how to explain. Maybe that's just because it's so anthemic and balladry, you know. I, I feel something from not just this song, but I mean the whole album, really. Now, from this song, Don't Look Back in Anger, keep in mind these lyrics as we head into the next song. Please don't put your life in the hands of a rock and roll band who will throw it all the way. Here's the next song, Hey Now.
I think there's this other overarching theme in this album, and that's the idea of what it's like to be in a band that's now heading towards superstardom. On Definitely Maybe, I think Noel was writing about what it would be like to be that kind of band. You know, what's that dream like? And now here they are. Their first album was widely successful, and they're heading towards that dream way faster than I think they realized. That line from Don't Look Back in Anchor, please don't put your life in the hands of a rock and roll band who will throw it all away. And some stuff from Hey Now, I think they go together nicely in that regard. Hey Now talks about what it's like to be in a group that's riding that success and heading on up. And that previous line alludes to the idea of what the future holds if, you know, this group, this band's success uh, gets into your head. And I think looking back now, I think it's hard to deny that that was certainly the case at the time. And I think this line from the song encapsulates, encapsulates that pretty nicely. I took a walk with my fame down memory lane. I never did find my way back. Alrighty, gonna play another couple of songs back to back. Uh, the first is just a short instrumental, a uh, bit of a palate cleanser, if you will. Um, even though, I mean, it really doesn't do anything anyway. It's technically untitled, but the full version was used as a B-side to Wonderwall on the single release, and it was called The Swamp Song. And there's two excerpts from that on this album. This is the first one. It's about 40 seconds, 45 seconds. And then the second one comes towards the end of the album. So we're going to listen to that, and then we're going to just let it play right into Some Might Say.
some might say probably has the most personal touch lyrically, at, at least I think so. Uh, Noel's writing, he touches on some things um, from growing up and kind of touches on, I think, a little bit of his worldview as he grew up. I mean, obviously not just him, but him and his brother. Um, I think there's a line in there, you know, standing at the station in need of education in the rain. Um, that's talking about how he really didn't go to school all that often. And, you know, more broadly, society-wise, um, something I haven't touched on yet, the band came from northern England, where a lot more rural and poorer communities, and the only way that you really had an education or you had a job is if you had an education <laughs> and you were able to afford a car to drive to the city. Otherwise, you were relying on... You know, the train, which was either unreliable or even the train was out of someone's um, living expense. You know, that's something that they couldn't afford to do. So that's something that he touches on there. So you have that or you get into some, again, more broader social commentary, like with the first line. After something bad happens, like thunder or rain, there's something better on the other side, the sunshine. But Noel is saying, try telling that to the person who can't get out of the thunderstorm. Um, and as he has suggested in interviews, someone like a homeless person. But I think overall, it, again, as with many other of his lyrics, it's about trying to look on the brighter side of things and know that there is something better down the road. And musically, again, one of those big balladry songs, you know, with a big chorus, uh, but it's uplifting. Um, this is really fun uh, juxtaposition, I suppose. Now, quick side note on the artwork uh, for the single of the song. The photographer, Michael Spencer, he actually took the picture on black and white film, and then he spent a little over a week hand-painting the final image that we see now. So it's like the old-school way of, you know, coloring, you know, a black and white picture of Abraham Lincoln, for example, just he did by hand. Uh, so really fun little side note there. Next, we head into what I think is a grossly underrated song from the album. It's Cast No Shadow.
This song was written for another Britpop singer, Richard Ashcroft from The Verve. Um, I think the best well-known song that they have is Bittersweet Symphony, though that song would actually come out two years later. So Noel wrote this for Richard, and Richard, he wasn't very happy about where he was at in life at the time, and from just being a, a musician at the time, being a writer, to just having, you know, normal adult life, I think the song just kind of speaks to the weight on people's shoulders, whether you're a musician or not, uh, and just kind of everything that life throws at you. Uh, but there's also some nods in there to what it's like to be a musician, to be a songwriter, where, you know, people will take all of your words at face value and what that weight feels like, too. Uh, I think it's a bit more stripped down uh, compared to Don't Look Back and Anger. Uh, it's certainly more solemn, I think. You know, you have these strings again, the acoustic guitar, and there's this hint of electric guitar. It's used very sparingly, but it just kind of opens and uh, opens the song up and lets it breathe a little. And I love the harmonies on the vocals. Uh, Noel is singing in the background really for most of the song, and it gives this, to me, this bit of an ethereal feel to it. Up next, it's a fun, playful ditty. Uh, it's called She's Electric.
not much to say about this one. I, I like the lyrics. The lyrics are built around these uh, two-line rhyming couplets. Um, and, you know, the, the song is about this narrator's girlfriend's family. And each couplet is about, like, a member of this girlfriend's family. It's kind of a fun device to use. It's, it's really fun. And music-wise, it's actually got a bit of a country vibe to it. Um, Noel adds a little bit of twang to his guitar. And then you have, um, you know, the, the backing guitar and this rhythm kind of piano there. Uh, to put it succinctly, it's short, simple, and sweet. <laughs> Not much else to say about it. But the moment that at least I've been waiting for, uh, we're down to the last three songs. And damn does the band just go for it. I'm going to play them back to back to back. Uh, one of them is excerpt number two from the Swamp Song. It's that instrumental. And it's right in between Morning Glory and Champagne Supernova. And I think it just brings those two together so well. The way Morning Glory fades off into the song and then Champagne Supernova comes in from that short little bit. It's really fun to listen to. Now, I'm going to talk briefly about Morning Glory now because I'd like to just get into Champagne Supernova after our, what, 13 plus minutes of playtime on these few songs. Morning Glory hits the ground running. It is made to be the second to last song, and it, it just pounds, and it drives its way to the finish line. I, I really love the first line of the song. All your dreams are made when you're chained to the mirror and the razor blade. An obvious reference to cocaine use. But beyond, I mean, with that, I love that the music is built around that idea. The music is energetic and alert. And it stays that way the entire time. And again, I think because it does talk about, you know, the reference to cocaine, it's another one of those songs that talks about the dream of being a rock star. And that dream of, you know, li living the high life. But without further ado... Here is Morning Glory, Swamp Song, uh, excerpt number two, capping off with Champagne Supernova.
special people change? How many lives are living strange? Where were you while we were getting high? Slowly walking down the hall Faster than a cannonball Where were you while we were getting high? Someday you will find me Champagne supernova in the sky Someday you will find me Carping in the landslide In a champagne supernova A champagne supernova in the sky Up the dawn and ask her why A dream, a dream, she never dies Wipe that tear away now from your eye Slowly walking down the hall Faster than a cannonball Where were you while we were getting high?
what a hell of an album closer and a timeless classic for me. It's a really fun, it's really fun to listen to this album front to back. I mean, and every time that I've listened to this album so far, it's never old. I feel like every time I listen to it, everything, every song is building up, you know, the entire length of the album, it's building up to something. And that something is Champagne Supernova. Um, yeah, there are some weird lyrics that don't make sense. I'm looking at you down the hall, Cannonball. But again, it's one of those songs that just seeps into your head and, and you listen to it and you just get carried away. In the beginning, you start off with this quiet guitar throughout the first verse. You add, you know, the bass and some drums. And then you're crescendoing through the end of the second verse and then just crashes right into uh, the second part of the chorus. I absolutely love that. The composition on the song is fun. It's amazing to listen to and you, you get carried away with it. Now, there is a fun instrument on this song called the melodica. And more or less, it's like a small handheld keyboard that you play by blowing air through. It kind of sounds like a harmonica. Uh, first person I think of uh, is Donald Fagan of Steely Dan. He uses one often. And on this particular song, like I mentioned, it's it's what sounds like a harmonica um, right after the first chorus. And then from there, it just kind of plays on throughout the rest of the song. And lyrically, you know, we get some more of the, I haven't really used this term yet, but the psychedelica and Beatles-inspired lyrics. Uh, the main one I think of is Champagne Supernova. Like, what the hell is a Champagne Supernova? I don't know, but it sounds cool. <laughs> Um, and I love the way that Liam's accent really comes through when he sings that. You hear more of a supernova uh, when he's singing in there. It's really fun that that comes through. Um, yeah, I absolutely love the song. I, I get carried away every time, just kind of stare mindlessly at the ceiling whenever I hear it, just get lost. It is a phenomenal song, even though it's over seven minutes long. It's It's awesome. I love it. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to the album as much as I did. Uh, let's briefly talk about kind of its legacy before we do some uh, final thoughts. Since its release, this album has garnered critical acclaim, though that wasn't really much the case upon its initial release. This album consistently shows up on several charts as one of the greatest albums of all times. It's appeared in the Rolling Stones 500 list, uh, most recently, I think as of this year, actually, they redid it, and it's now listed as number uh, 157. Um, it also shows up in 1,001 albums that you must hear before you die, so on and so forth. It shows up in a lot of places. and Partly that's why I was inspired to, to listen to it earlier this year. Sales-wise, it's 15 times platinum in the UK, and I think four here in the US. And actually, that uh, UK number, that was a record held for 16 years. Uh, before Lil Known Adele came on the scene and released uh, her album 21 in uh, 2011. Uh, I know for me, looking back at the music um, that I listened to growing up, I consistently remember Oasis. Um, and I compare it to Blur just because, you know, they were kind of the rivalry at the time. You know, but it was Oasis. I remember hearing Wonderwall and Champagne Supernova. Um, and I'm not saying that Blur contributed any less to the music or that their music is bad in any, in any way, shape, or form. They have their place in the music scene in the UK in the 90s for sure. I just think that in terms of uh, longer-lasting legacy, I think uh, I think Oasis kind of takes the cake with regards to that. I mean, 
even looking at, uh, what was his name, David Auburn, uh, the lead guy from Blur, his other band is the Gorillas, And I think the Gorillas is even more um, out there than, than Blur was. And again, Blur has their place for sure. And I actually enjoy quite a few songs from them. I just think, you know, longer lasting uh, mark on history, somehow Oasis made it happen better than Blur did. That's just the way that I view it. Um, alrighty, let's wrap up with some final thoughts on the music. So because of the time of what was going on with Britpop, I'm going to bring up Blur again, um, and their album, The Great Escape, which was actually came out September uh, before this album was like less than a month. Their album, very much Britpop as well, but I think there's much more electronic influences in there. And they also bring in like some small ensemble instruments too, like a sax and trombone, stuff like that. Uh, but you compare that to what I think is a much more early Britpop influence, uh, like the Beatles, on what's the story, Morning Glory. Uh, you know, Oasis certainly expanded their instrumentation and uh, the arrangements over their first album. But I think you listen to those two albums side by side, Oasis is much more stripped down com compared to uh, Blur's album. Um, and I love some of the Beatles' uh, influenced instrumentation that was used, you know, particularly that Mellotron and Melodica that I mentioned. Uh, they pop up in a couple spots. The choruses, they're big, and the compositions are much more anthemic and balladry. And most of these songs, I mean, hell, for me, the entire album, it is infectious. And you can tell that the band really focused on making the album something that reached a lot of people and in some regards spoke to some of the struggles of the time in the UK. Uh, as far as lyrics go, let's be honest. If you read through some of the lyrics to these songs, some of them just make no sense. Some songs are there just as a fun jam session and they put some words over them, you know, as, as opposed to having a strong message every time. And that is perfectly fine. Um, more often than not, I mean, that's the case across history. It's actually, I, I have that down as an episode that I want to talk about. You don't have to have a message in every song. Sometimes it's fine to just be weird and mindless. You know, again, Champagne Supernova, what the hell is that? I don't know. Uh, another line from that song, slowly walking down the hall faster than a cannonball. Like, that makes no sense. Even Noel, you know, the, the brothers in interviews at the time, you know, <laughs> they're talking back and forth. And she's just like, dude, what does this mean? She's like, I don't have to know. <laughs> just random stuff and that happens and that's okay that said i think noel certainly sticks to themes of hardships uh you know the idea of moving on and trying to keep your chin up the you know things get better in the end and then of course some of the lyrics that reference that rock star lifestyle and that dream that they were heading towards and wanted and they certainly got when when this album came out so when all is said and done I've really grown to love this album. It's one of those albums that I listen to front to back every time. I never want to skip a song. And after you've listened through it a couple times, you really realize every song has its place. And like I said earlier, it all leads somewhere. There, there is a road that you know this album's taking you on. And it all leads to Champagne Supernova. And there's something about that song to me that perfectly encapsulates the entire album in you know seven minutes and 30 seconds whatever it is you know compositions they're big and anthemic yes but on the flip side 
they allow you to just slip right in with no context. If you wanted to, to listen to a song out of order, you can do that. You don't have to sit and think about what's going on. At least that's the way that I've kind of digested it. Um, and do I connect with all the lyrics on a personal level? No. You know, there's some goofy lyrics. Again, that's okay. Um, and since we talked about them already, the Beatles have some ridiculous lyrics, but they're not forgotten because of it. Um, and I understand where Noel was going with it. Don't look back in anger, keep your chin up, and just roll with it. Whew! Wow, everyone. Thank you so much for that little bit of an indulgence. I really haven't had an episode this long before, but it was so fun to be able to listen to and celebrate this album front to back. For me, it truly is a masterpiece, and I hope you all enjoyed it too. Thank you for joining me today on Rock and Talk with Dak. If you liked today's episode, please make sure to comment, like, subscribe, or go out and tell a friend. It all helps get these episodes out to more music fans like yourselves. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter. There I have updates and I have a song of the day. As always, this presentation is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support as always. And remember, too much of a good thing can be wonderful. See you next time.